Support for this podcast comes from Monster Worldwide. Monster has two products that are helping to shape the future of social recruiting. Talent Bin by Monster, which enables companies to source the best tech talent from the open web, and Monster Social Job Ads, which extends job advertising reach to target both passive and active candidates on social platforms, including on Twitter. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi, and welcome to episode 14 of the Recruiting Future podcast. This week's guest is Laszlo Bock, Head of People Operations at Google. Google's approach to HR and recruiting has always been a much-discussed topic in our industry. I was delighted to get the chance to meet Laszlo in person and hear firsthand about Google's approach to people operations. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Recruiting Future podcast interview. Today, I'm in Google's offices in London talking with Laszlo Bock. Hi, Laszlo. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. So um, many people will obviously know you, but some people might not. Could you quickly introduce yourself and tell us how you got to do what you do? Yeah, so... um... I lead people operations for Google. Uh, Most companies call it human resources. We call it people operations uh, for a bunch of reasons, one of which has to do with all the analytics and science we try to put underneath it. But the way I got here was I kind of have had just about every job under the sun. I worked as a waiter. I worked as a teacher, worked as a lifeguard, uh, was on TV a little bit, worked at a startup, started a nonprofit, and eventually found my way into human resources. And a few years after that decision, got hired by Google. Fantastic. That's a a somewhat unconventional path into uh, into HR. Um, So you recently published a book, um, Work Rules. Um, When I read it, I was surprised by the huge amount of detail you went into about Google's approach to hiring, to culture, to talent, management, and even, you know, pay strategy. Um, Why did you write it? Well, the the biggest reason I wrote it is because I I woke up one day and realized that we spend more time working than we do anything else. Nobody works a 40-hour week anymore, right? So you spend more time working than you do sleeping, more than with your friends, more than with the people you love the most, which is kind of terrible. And then for most people, work is just a means to an end. It's not fulfilling. It's not fun. And I thought that was a shame. And so at Google, we've done a bunch of things to kind of move the needle on that. And I came across a lot of other companies in all kinds of different places around the world that have also done things. And I wanted to share that. Fantastic. Um, You say in the book, um, this is kind of really interesting to me, that hiring is the single most important people activity that um, any organization should undertake. Why is it so important to Google? The reason it's the most important thing is because if you're doing hiring right, then you're able to hire people who are way better than average. So let's imagine, you know, instead of hiring average people, you can hire 80th or 90th percentile quality people. Um, if you're doing that right, all the other HR stuff companies do, you kind of don't need to invest a lot in. And you don't need to invest a lot in management because if you're hiring exceptional people who are smart and curious and motivated and want to do the right thing, they'll figure most of this stuff out for you and they'll reward you, your customers, and your company. Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I... I thought it was very interesting when you said that if you spend so much time on hiring, then people are affected from day one because you've hired the the, the, the best people. Um, you also say that you spend twice as much um, money as a percentage of your people budget on hiring than the average company. Um, what's your approach to hiring in the process and how has it evolved over the years? Well, so our hiring approach used to be we, you know, we get two to three million applications a year. We comb through all of those. Uh, we have 
a bunch of recruiters who do this and do great work doing it. And we would focus historically a lot on where you went to school, what your grades were, what your test scores were, because the idea was we wanted the smartest people we could find. What we since learned was that none of that predicts performance. It's helpful when you're just out of college, but after a year or two, it doesn't matter where you went to school. It doesn't yeah. matter what your grades were. So we look beyond that. And what we now look for is uh, four things. General cognitive ability, so smarts and problem solving. Emergent leadership, and I could talk about that if you wish. Yeah, please. Um, well, so briefly, emergent leadership is, so traditional leadership is, were you president of a club? Were you captain of a team? Were you a vice president? Did you get promoted? We don't care about any of that. Yeah. What we care about is that when you see a problem, you step in, whether it's your job or not, to help solve it. And just as importantly, when your role is kind of done, you relinquish power and let somebody else step in and you step out. So we look for that. The third thing is what we call googliness. And simply what that means is... Um, kind of cultural fit, but not are you like us. We actually want people to bring something different to the party, something okay. new. Uh, we also want intellectual humility and conscientiousness. And then the last and least important thing is expertise. Do you actually know how to do the job? Okay. Because again, going back to if you're hiring the right kind of people, bright, curious people, and they meet these other three, three attributes, they'll figure the rest out. Cool. Um, when I was reading the book, I was interesting because there's so much gets written about Google's hiring process, mostly by people who, um, you know, <laughs> have never worked in it or never gone through it. Um, and it's all about, you know, 20 interviews and, and crazy brain teasers. Is that, is that true or is that? Uh, that no, that used to be true. That used yeah. to be very true. I remember when I interviewed, I had something like 25 interviews before I got the job. Wow. And they wanted me to come out for more from New York to California to do even more interviews. And I actually said, you know what? Enough. You know me well enough already. I know you. Just make a decision. Yeah. Uh, so now uh, the average is just over four interviews per person. Okay. Uh, hiring time went down from six to nine months on average to about forty-five days on average. We're working to get that down a little lower, uh, and it's uh, and we've banned brain teasers. Now okay. some can some interviewers will still ask the questions, and yeah. basically what happens is when they get to our senior review. We just ignore those questions. Cool. So if you blew it on a brain teaser, don't worry, you'll be fine. <laughs> That's good news. That's yeah. good news. Um, uh, talking about your senior review, you say in the book that as CEO, Larry Page reviews every single hire you make. Is that true? It is true. Wow. Yeah. I mean, how many is that a week? How does that, how does that work in terms of um, timescales and things like that? Well, the way it works is, uh, so we've, part of the reason the hiring process takes 45 days is we have a series of reviews at the end. There's a hiring committee that actually makes the initial hiring recommendation, and the hiring manager doesn't sit on that committee. Then it goes to sort of, we don't have a name for it, actually, uh, but sort of senior review. So, yeah. for example, for sales and GNA, I and a colleague review everyone each week. And then all of those hires, plus the technical ones, get compiled into a spreadsheet, which goes to Larry, a Google Tricks spreadsheet, with links to all the detail, and he gets it every week and takes a look at it. Cool. So, another, I think another common perhaps misconception, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it's a real truism that people say everyone wants to work at Google, and you kind of mentioned that you have millions of applications. Does everyone want, want to work at Google, what, or do you have recruitment challenges? Well, I like to think deep, deep down in their soul, everyone does. Well, of course. Yeah. Um, of course they do. They, they may not know it yet. Yeah. Um, but no, actually, you know, most of the best people are not even thinking about working someplace else because they're working at companies where they're doing great work and they're valued. So they're rewarded. They feel good about their work. They enjoy their manager. They're, they're happy um, because high performers tend to do well and tend to be valued. Mm. So the trick is we actually have to invest a lot in going out and finding those people. And, okay. and we try to sort of call them when they're having a bad day and okay. get to know them over time and entice them. Cool. Do you know they're having a bad day? Is that uh, no. in, in Google's kind of uh, data set somewhere? No, that's just a volume <laughs> game. <laughs> no, that's uh, uh, that's fair enough. I mean, I mean, talking about data. I mean, reading the book, and you mentioned it at the start. It's very clear, very quickly, that data is vitally important through kind of all of your people strategy. Um, 
what's unique about your approach, do you think? And is everything data-driven? Not everything is data-driven. Some things okay. we just do because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So, for example, we years ago introduced uh, this, this death benefit where if you pass away, you know, when somebody dies, it's an awful, awful, horrible, traumatic thing, particularly when somebody dies sort of in the middle of their working career. And we introduced a death benefit, which we've got here in the UK as well, which is all your stock vests immediately, which is substantial, and your surviving spouse or domestic partner gets half your salary for the next decade. Wow. If you have children, the kids get $1,000 a month until they turn 18 or 24, depending whether they go to college or not. We did that purely because it was the right thing. And in fact, when we did it, we didn't tell people about it. Nobody knew we had this policy mm. until two and a half years after we'd, we'd rolled it out to Googlers. So it's not all data, but we do use data to sort of measure and test almost everything because so much of HR practice is, here's my gut, here's what I think, here's what you know this or that company did. And the reality is, there's no evidence that that stuff actually works. Okay. So we want to prove what does. Yeah, fantastic. Now, one of the questions that um, everyone who comes on the show seems to, I, I seem, seem to ask, never has an opinion on, um, can you replace a good recruiter with an algorithm, do you think, sort of leading on that data? I don't question? think you can. I don't okay. think you can. Uh, there's a lot of startups that say they can. Yes. Uh, but the reality is, we, you know, we tried this. We did uh, one-day hiring processes in some countries, okay. and what we found was that Candidates would say, I don't trust your process. There's no way you could have gotten to know me in that time. Yeah. And so you need that human interaction. Okay. That's, uh, that's, that's very good to know. Um, you mentioned that your, um, that your division is people operations. Now, that's opposed to um, HR. What's the difference between people operations and HR? Well, two things. One is um, we apply, as, you, as you're asking, a lot of data to what we're doing. So okay. the operational part is you know, trying to apply data to prove what we do, but also making sure every year we get more effective, more productive, and we have productivity goals, and, and it's quite tightly managed. But the other piece is that when I joined the company, it was actually titled, the title was changed to People Ops purely because we believed the engineers would like that title more and think it was more credible. Oh, cool. Okay. Fantastic, yeah, because I've seen it kind of pops up in other in yeah. other startups and um, um, things like that. I think it's a it's a really interesting. Yeah, it's, um, it's been cool to watch other people kind of take it and make it their own. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, fantastic. So, how would you summarize what makes Google so innovative? I think there's three things that drive innovation at Google. One is a mission that's meaningful, so organize the world's information that connects to people that resonates with people. The second is transparency. Because at Google, we share just about everything. You have access to our, almost all of our code base as an engineer. You know everyone's goals. Our chairman shares the board of directors report every quarter with the whole company. And the third is voice. This idea that you as an individual in the company aren't just an employee. You're not just a cog in a wheel. You're an owner. And you have a responsibility that comes with that and you help shape the company. Those three things are what drive innovation. And what's your favorite Google project or initiative? Out of all the things that you're doing or working on, what's your favorite? My, my favorite right now is this uh, program we're doing around unconscious bias. Oh, cool. And okay. the idea behind that is most people aren't explicitly or consciously racist or homophobic or sexist or what have you, but all of us are biased without meaning to because we just like people who are like ourselves. That's just natural. You like people who like the same sports teams or what have you. And so it's this project and piece of work we've been doing for three years to make people aware of that unconscious bias, and it's had this wonderful, wonderful effect inside the company. Fantastic. Um, you also talk a lot in the book about... Um, proving that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, talk to us about the culture. You've got a chief culture officer as well. I mean, what's, what's the sort of approach to the culture in Google? 
Well, it's, it's, it's actually really grassroots. So our chief cultural officer is a woman named Stacy Sullivan. She was employee number 50. Okay. And she also today leads people operations for sort of all our crazy things like Google X and Nest and Calico and, you know, our life extension business, things like that. Uh, and she is fantastic. And she's in charge of culture. But it's not sort of a formal title where what she says goes. What she's done is she's built this grassroots network of people in every one of our offices that she calls her culture clubs. And basically she finds people, regardless of seniority, who just get it. And she sort of taps them on the shoulder and says, when you see something fantastic, recognize it. And when you see something that's antithetical to how we believe, call people out on it, and it works beautifully. Fantastic. Final question. The future. What What's the future in terms of people's strategy? For Google, for, for everyone, future of the workplace? What, what do you think um, people in people operations or people in HR in slightly more traditional companies should be looking towards and, and working on and anticipating? Well, I think if you're in human resources today, uh, there's a choice you have to make. Uh, do you want to create an environment that's kind of high freedom, Google-like or um, like John Lewis, you know, the, the grocery chain yeah. out here, or not the grocery, the retailer out here, uh, where people actually feel like they're owners and can take part and kind of shape the company? Or do you want to be more traditional? And you have to make a conscious choice because it turns out you can make money both ways as a business. Okay. Uh, you can have a business that just grinds people up and chews them up and spits them out and, because there's a lot of people who need work. But you then have to live with yourself and decide what kind of person you want to be. So make a very deliberate choice and then treat people the way you think they ought to be treated. And that's going to mean things like being more generous sometimes than, than your economics suggests you could. Um, but you will, over time, then attract the very best people because talent's increasingly mobile, increasingly findable. And the best people will gravitate towards the former kind of company. Uh, and you can make money both ways. Um, but you also want to do something you're proud of. Absolutely. Thank you very much for talking to me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. My thanks to Laszlo Bock. Laszlo's book, Work Rules, is out now and goes into a huge amount of detail on all aspects of Google's approach to people operations. He's giving all proceeds to charity and I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher and you can listen to past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the podcast mailing list to get exclusive content and find out more about future guests. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.